in Florida Ag Review for the week ending July 26th, Bob Redding was one of the speakers at last week's Southern Peanut Growers Conference, as his topic was the farm bill. One thing he told farmers was not to worry about the nutrition title aspect of the bill right now. Randall Wiseman has the report. During last week's Southern Peanut Growers Conference held in Panama City Beach, Florida, one of the topics of conversation was, of course, the Farm Bill. Bob Redding, who represents the Southern Peanut Farmers Federation in Washington, D.C., said this has been a very difficult bill. But one thing he told farmers was not to struggle with this nutrition in, nutrition out business too much. That's going to be worked out amongst uh, House and Senate leaders uh, at a very high level. Our focus should be now on the minutia of Title I. We need to stick with that, communicate our position to our uh, strongest members on the conference committee and others uh, in the House and Senate. So that should be our focus. Redding said the long-term issue for Gores is the potential for insignificance. Even though our acreage stays high, production levels are great due to uh, state and federal research uh, expenditures and grower research expenditures, our numbers are decreasing. And uh, as far as volume of votes, we just don't have it in the number of congressional districts and in number of states that we used to have. And this piece is uh, very frightening to us. So under our system, without volumes of voters, large blocks, organized blocks of voters, that leaves us in the political process really with the financial piece and political contributions. Cotton, rice, and peanut all struggle with this piece. It's hard to raise money for candidates. Uh, The sugar growers got it a long time ago, particularly sugar beet growers. They understand it. They have less numbers. A similar situation as peanut and do a great job with it. But this is an area that we've got to do a better job post-2013 Farm Bill uh, to protect our future and our political position uh, with the Congress. He said the peanut industry will have to be better politicians to continue the run we've had with some really good farm bills over the years. Florida Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam talks citrus greening and about how the Coca-Cola Company has made a long-term investment in Florida citrus. There is some good news. The Florida legislature appropriated $9.5 million to support research in the fight against citrus greening. And another very positive sign was the recent announcement by the Coca-Cola Company to invest $2 billion in Florida citrus industry. Coca-Cola's investment will enable two growers, Catralli Citrus Juices and Peace River Products, to plant 5 million new orange trees on 25,000 net new acres in Florida. Coca-Cola has agreed to procure over the next 20 years all of the fruit produced by these groves. This investment is projected to create more than 4,000 jobs in Florida and generate more than $10 billion in total economic impact over the next 25 years. Coca-Cola and these growers' investment in Florida citrus is a great boost of confidence to Florida citrus industry. Now in its fifth year, Feds Feed Families is a campaign where federal workers collect and donate food and other non-perishable items to families in need across the country. And USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service is part of this. We hear from Russell Morgan with NRCS in Florida about it. There's an effort underway through the various federal agencies called Feds Feeding Families. As Russell Morgan, state conservationist with USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service in Florida, explains. Every year, millions of Americans across this country, including one in five children, don't know where the next meal is coming from. And it's particularly difficult in the summer because during the school year, there are a lot of children that, you know, school lunch program that have an opportunity to, to get food and have meals, but the federal government has this initiative called 
feds feed families, which is really a food drive, and it runs through August 28th. And basically what happens is all federal agencies are involved, and uh, we collect food. And food is donated to food banks in the different areas in the different state to help out. And while this is an effort from every government agency, Morgan said this year USDA is leading the charge. And our goal at USDA uh, nationwide is to collect 4.4 million pounds of food for families in need. Here in the state of Florida, we have uh, an effort called Strive for 25. <clears throat> what that means is that if every employee donates 25 pounds, that's roughly 25 cans of food, we will feel that we can meet and even exceed last year's national toll. And Morgan said this is not just confined to federal employees. We're asking anybody that wants to help out in this effort, if they have non-perishable food that they can bring their donation to the local NRCS office. And this will help to feed needy families in the state of Florida. Information, just stop by your local NRCS office. Gary Cooper recently caught up with Florida FFA Foundation Executive Director Gary Bartley to discuss one of the most unique country retreat settings Florida has to offer. Talking to Gary Bartley, Florida FFA Foundation. Your office is in a unique position at the FFA camp. Tell us a little about that facility, first of all, and how it came about. Well, the Florida FFA Leadership Training Center is a, is a retreat facility at the present time for small groups. We specialize in youth activities, but we also make the facility available to corporate groups if they're less than 100 people. Obviously, chapters from all over Florida can sign up and bring their students in, the FFA groups and all that. But your ability to market that to corporate-level teams of people like you mentioned is a, really a fundraising effort to help support the camp itself, correct? That is correct. We have the center that's available for the youth, which is about 50% of our youth. We give them special rates, but we make it available to the corporate rates, uh, try to offset some of the costs. We've had some corporate groups coming there for up to 15 years in a row, so they love it. They love the retreat setting. And in most cases, they love that rural environment, being in the woods with all the wildlife and all the natural activities. Give us a little bit of just uh, walk us through uh, verbally, if you will. Give us a visual picture of what it's like. I've been to it, and it's a fantastic facility. But, I mean, everything from fishing to canoeing and walking in the woods, and I mean, it's all there. It's a 126-acre piece of property located on Lake Pierce. Uh, We're in the middle of a state preserve. Uh, More specifically, it's called the Allen David Broussard State Preserve. So we're in the middle of that. So it's all all nature. Uh, Lake Pierce is about a 3,800-acre lake. Uh, We also are located on Catfish Creek. So when you come to our facility, you're on a lake, lake setting in the middle of the woods. We, uh, we offer canoe trips and boat trips uh, up and down Catfish Creek and Lake Pierce. It's, it's a beautiful setting. Cabins, a beautiful dining hall. You've got facilities. You've got some staff that can help depending on the price level and what the corporations want to do, I know. So it's a, it's a great thing. Somebody's interested, how do they get in touch with you, Gary? Get in touch to the, with the Florida FFA Leadership Training Center. Uh, Evie Nagel is the uh, sales manager. Give us a call at uh, 863-439-7332. And uh, we'll be glad to talk to you. Excellent. You got a website? Yes, we do. It's uh, www.flaltc.org. Got it. Appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Give us a call. At last week's annual Florida Dietitians Conference, the Florida Beef Council had quite a presence. 
The Florida Beef Council recently attended the 2013 Florida Dietitians Conference, which Ashley Hughes said gave them the opportunity to reach dietitians from across the state. This gives us the chance to reach health professionals with the most up-to-date and current information about the health and nutrition concerning beef. And we were able to provide information about the bowl diet, beef in an optimum lean diet, showing that lean beef can definitely be part of a heart-healthy diet and that it also helps to decrease cholesterol levels, saturated fat levels, that there are lots of different nutrients you can get out of healthy lean beef. And all of the dietitians that come by there, especially the ones who have been around the dietitian community for such a long time, appreciate all of the materials that they can get from the Florida Beef Council as well as the beef checkoff. She said they also helped provide a speaker for the conference. Through a partnership with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, we were able to work with them as part of their nutrition seminar speaker series where they actually send us a fully funded nutrition speaker to come to our State Dietetics Association meeting. And this speaker, her name was Lori Forster, and her whole seminar series was about food and wine pairings and how to make it heart healthy. And because of her partnership with beef, everything that she related back to was how to include beef, whether it's through a white wine, through a red wine. But with this great partnership with NCBA, they cover all of her costs, travel costs, honorarium costs. And because this was such an interesting and exciting opportunity, we actually provided a beef and wine sample that we covered the cost of. But because of all of the excitement about this presentation, there were over 200 dietitians that attended her seminar. This was the largest attended seminar at the entire Florida Dietitian Summer Meeting. So we were very excited and very thankful for our partnership with NCBA and their sponsorship of the Florida Dietitians Meeting. Ashley said it was a way to reach people who have a real impact on the food they recommend for their clients. Southeast Regional Communications Manager for the Cotton Board, Monty Bain, wants growers to learn more about flavor-infused cottonseed oils. Educating consumers about agricultural products is a big focus for the Cotton Board, but then again, letting growers know about the products being developed for consumers is also important. Monty Bain, Southeast Regional Communications Manager for the Cotton Board, said the Cotton Research and Promotion Program has had great success in adding more value for growers. And one of those products is flavor-infused cottonseed oils. In the last year, Tom Wiedegardner with Cotton Incorporated has done a wonderful job promoting the flavored cottonseed oil, and there's, there's bigger things to come. Bain said cottonseed oil is America's original vegetable oil. People don't know that Crisco is an acronym for crystallized cottonseed oil. He said the flavor-infused cottonseed oils they have for both consumers and producers to sample at various events are from Acala Farms. And it's used more for sautéing and and flavor uh, rather than just frying in it like a frying oil. And all the folks that have tried it loved it. It's zero trans fat per serving, zero cholesterol, and a great source of vitamin E. And if you were to scan items throughout your local grocery store, Bain said you might be surprised how many of them use cottonseed oil. The oil is used anything from chips to also the, the lint and the cellulose to hot dogs to ice cream. You'd be amazed at cotton byproducts that you could find in a grocery store if you just read the labels. Grower dollars being used for research efforts through Cotton Incorporated have helped expand the various uses of cottonseed oil, and Bain said that will continue as they want to make cotton and cotton byproducts more valuable. 
Everett Greiner tells us how another invasive species is threatening poor water quality. Zebra mussels. I just read a long article about zebra mussels. You never heard of them? Well, you will. It's another invasive creature imported from another part of the world. It's damaging our fresh water system. Our rivers, our lakes, our reservoirs are already troubled by these creatures. So far, agriculture has not been directly affected, but it's only a matter of time. Environmentalists are already concerned that we will eventually face shortages of water to grow our crops. States, even neighboring countries, fight legal battles over water right now. Water is not only critical to our food supply, it supplies our electricity, our recreation, municipal uses. Now, a new threat in the form of a foreign invader, the zebra mussel from Asia. Quantity is already a problem. Will quality be next? Here is Sabrina Hill letting us know that the newest device to detect earthquakes may not be a new high-tech device. Well, it seems the newest device to detect earthquakes may not be a high-tech device, but ants. That's right. It seems that ants, with the world's worst taste in real estate, seem to sense earthquakes before they strike. Active faults, fractures where the earth violently ruptures in earthquakes are the preferred housing site for red wood ants in Germany. And for three years, researchers have tracked the ants 24-7 with video cameras using special software to catalog behavioral changes. There were 10 earthquakes between magnitude 2.0 and 3.2 during the study period of 2009 to 2012, with many smaller tremblers. The ants only changed behavior for quakes larger than magnitude 2.0, which also happens to be the smallest quakes that humans can feel. During the day, ants busily went about their daily activity, and at night, the colony rested inside the mound. But before an earthquake, the ants were awake throughout the night, outside their mound, vulnerable to predators, with normal ant behavior not resuming until a day after the earthquake. Remember, you can find these stories along with all the big Southeast Agriculture reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Daniel Lee with Southeast Agnet's podcast.